From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Tuesday, December 5th. I'm Sarah Reith. Mendocino's redwoods are headed for zombie forest status, according to a researcher and climate scientist. Dr. John O'Brien, who works at the Climate and Ecosystems Division at Lawrence Berkeley National Library and the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, Colorado, spoke this weekend about the environmental impacts of logging in Mendocino and Humboldt counties. O'Brien has been mainly focused on logging in the Jackson Demonstration State Forest. On Saturday, at an environmental education event called At the Brink, he zoomed out, noting a global warming record that was set just a few weeks ago. On November 18th was the first time it was actually ever recorded to hit two degrees above the pre-industrial baseline. You can see, compared to all the other years, 2023 is just going off the rails. O'Brien invoked the zombie forests of the Sierra Nevadas, where recent research has shown that trees are no longer suited to changing climactic conditions. As climate change continues, if you look at the simulations that even in the low emission scenario, which we are not even close to being on right now, even by mid-century and late century, we're still getting upwards of 40% of the Sierra by the end of the century being climate mismatched. And on the high emission scenario, by the end of the century, up to 80% uh, of this of the Sierra Nevada forest will be in a climate that doesn't suit them anymore. He said the future doesn't look promising for Mendocino redwoods, citing a 2015 study in global change biology called Back to the Future, using historical climate variations to project near-term shifts in habitats suitable for coast redwood by Miguel Fernandez, Laura Coopers, and Healy Hamilton. There's a variety of scenarios, but we're not on target for even the best case. In these warm, dry scenarios, all of Mendocino County uh, redwood would essentially be in a climate that doesn't really suit, uh, isn't really suitable for redwood. And it's only in these kind of cooler, lower climate change scenarios, especially where it's wet uh, to a kind of a wet, cool climate change, um, do you have a really kind of stable redwood base. Uh, again, we're not on target currently to, to realize those uh, scenarios. And so, again, this doesn't mean redwoods in this region would just die. They just wouldn't be happy, right? They would be there kind of biding their time, languishing, not photosynthesizing well. Monitoring from satellites and flux towers shows that globally, photosynthesis has leveled off since the beginning of the century. Which is obviously really concerning because we're still pumping out carbon dioxide. We would like it if the trees would keep scaling their sequestration with the amount of carbon dioxide we put out, and that's not happening anymore. A report by CAL FIRE's Helga Eng states that after the state-acquired Jackson Demonstration State Forest in 1946 from Casper Lumber Company, 70% of the remaining trees were cut. A few months ago, O'Brien was part of a team working with Steve Sillette, a researcher with Humboldt Cal Poly, that took core samples from trees in JDSF to reconstruct their growth history. We see this increase uh, up to about 2,000, uh, and then a, a, this leveling off or even a decrease. Um, and these are uh, an average of 10 trees in each of these two classes. So we see across trees of all statures, east and west, all across the forest, this is happening. In an interview after his presentation, O'Brien emphasized that the future will call for drastic changes at the policy and lifestyle levels. Is reforestation something that you advocate? Is there a way that we can can add to the biomass that we've removed? How, how can we make this so that we're not back at 1995 levels in 200 years? 
even if you reforested, you still wouldn't get back much past 1995. There's just not enough available land or forest carbon storage potential to go much beyond that. So what do we do? Stop emitting carbon dioxide. But the carbon dioxide that we're emitting today will continue to have effects for the next however long? Yeah, so I mean, ultimately, there's this idea of net zero, right? You know, where all our emissions are offset by some form or another. There's actually two types of net zero, and people don't really talk about this. What net zero should mean is anthropogenic sinks offset anthropogenic uh, sources. Are there any promising efforts in that direction happening here in the States? There are efforts. Um... I'm not sure any are actually promising, though, ultimately, because they are expensive, very expensive, and they don't scale well. You know, they can sequester carbon, but, like, to do it at the rates that we need to be doing it at, like, if we were going to offset anthropogenic emissions, we would need to be sequestering 15 billion tons a year, right, to offset emissions, right? There's It's a huge, huge hurdle, right? Um and so we're, no anthropogenic sink is even near doing that. Forests are the best thing that we have, right? They, they are hands down because they're all over the planet. They're specifically made to absorb carbon. You know, ultimately, I mean, we have to make a choice. Either we give up the lifestyles that we have or we adapt. The solutions that are really going to take a bite out of the carbon footprint globally, nationally, at the state level are going to come from policy changes where, you know, the state is incentivizing, giving like 100% rebates for solar panels, electric cars, converting power plants, you know, to uh, solar and wind and, you know, shifting the grid towards uh, carbon-free energy. What we do as individuals matters, um, especially collectively, but, you know, um, the big big steps are going to be taken by policy changes. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Reif. For all our local news with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.